But Psalm 134, and beginning our reading at verse 1. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye saints of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary, and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth. Bless thee out of Zion. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to all of our hearts. Now we're coming, as we said, to the summit of these songs or psalms of degree or psalms of ascent. We have traveled along the way. There have been uh, psalms of praise and psalms of trial where the psalmist has been in deep difficulty. But we have said that these are the psalms that would have been sung by the pilgrims as they journeyed up to Jerusalem. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16, the Lord made it clear three times in a year shall all thy meals appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the feast of unleavened bread and in the feast of weeks and in the feast of tabernacles and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. So it was the duty of the men folk to go up to Jerusalem three times in the year at least. And as they went, they sang these songs of degrees. But it wasn't so much the place that they were looking for as the presence. The ultimate goal in going to Jerusalem was not to get to Jerusalem as a sort of a sightseeing exercise. What they wanted was the presence of the Lord. I think Psalm 122 sums it up. Uh, when it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so they went up with anticipation. They're going up with songs, but they're anticipating the joy that uh, they are looking forward to as they meet the Lord. And they want God's presence and the joy of the Lord as they go there. But I think that as we come to this psalm, there is at least an allusion to the fact that now they have been in Jerusalem, and some of the commentators will suggest that this psalm would have been sung just as they were going home, because there is a, an allusion to the night here. Uh, it's, it says, which the servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. And some of the commentators would say that this is equivalent of a benediction in our worship services. And these are just the closing words. These are sort of like the marching orders as they start out home. And Warren Wearsby in his commentary calls this the psalm of the night shift. And they allowed, it alludes to the night servants. And it looks as if maybe the gates are closing and the pilgrims are about to go home and they just want another blessing. They have enjoyed the presence of the Lord, and they make a song of request that the servants of God, in the, uh, as, as they're leaving the temple, would just give them another blessing, and they want the blessing of the Lord, so that as they go away from Jerusalem, they will have a blessing upon them. But then there's also the thought here of this uh, night psalm, as it were, us singing in darkness, and we think about the darkness of difficult times. 
And in Psalm 42 and verse 8, the psalmist said, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto God of my life. Or the Psalm 77 and verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. Well, this is another song in the night here. And uh, in the dark days, uh, there can be the song as well. So there's the thought of leaving Jerusalem. There's the thought of uh, looking for the uh, blessing as they go. And there's the thought of the night song here in this portion of Scripture. But I just want us to look at the psalm, what it says here. Uh, the uh, psalm is a, a psalm of blessing. Every, every verse speaks about blessing and about benediction. And we want the benediction and the blessing of God upon us. So let's see what it is that the psalmist is praising God about in the night seasons. And first of all, I want you to see the psalmist's watchfulness. Look at verse 1 of the psalm. He says, Behold, behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. The word stand there, where it says they stand in the house of the Lord, is uh, speaking of a post or a station. Uh, that's the allusion. Some of the modern versions will say they that minister in the house of the Lord, but uh, that may give uh, something of a wrong impression because uh, if you think about those that minister, you're thinking about those that are involved in the rituals of worship. But I think it's wider than that. Uh, because those that were uh, in the night seasons in the temple were often more like guards than anything else. And the psalm here is calling upon those that are really guarding the house of the Lord to be alert. And there is that, uh, he says, Behold, you, you uh, which in, by night stand in the house of the Lord. So here is a call for those on night duty in the temple to be alert. To We remember that the tabernacle, uh, the priests there were during the night seasons, they would go around, they would uh, renew the altar fire, they would uh, feed the lamps, they guarded the sacred stru structure against intrusion or plunder. And their duties were very like guard duties at night. The Jewish Targum gives actually the description of what would happen in the temple at night or in the, uh, in the tabernacle in the second temple. And it says uh, in the Jewish Targum, uh, the custom in the second temple appears to have been this. After midnight, the chief of the doorkeepers took the key of the inner temple and went with some of the priests through the small postern of the fire gate. In the inner court, this watch divided itself into two companies, each carrying a burning torch. One company turned west and the other east, and so they compassed the court to see whether all were in readiness for the temple service on the following morning. In the bakehouse where the mincha, the meat offering of the high priest was baked, they met with a cry, all well. Meanwhile, the rest of the priests arose, bathed themselves, and put on their garments. They then went into the stone chamber, one half of which was the hall of session 
of the Sanhedrin. And there, under the superintendence of the officer who gave the watchword, and one of the Sanhedrin, surrounded by the priests clad in the robes of, of, of their office, their several duties for the coming day were assigned to each of the priests by lot. So there were the priests. They went around, divide themselves into two companies. They get round the court of the temple to make sure that all was prepared for the next day and make sure that nothing was amiss. So here in the psalm, the psalmist is saying to these people, be alert, behold. And of course, that's something that we need to pay heed to in this day and generation. Here were these people that were at night. It was dark. They might have uh, been uh, slumbering or sleeping. And so the psalmist says to these servants of God, be alert and be watchful. And of course, that's what we need to be in this day and generation. We think of the danger of sleep or the danger of reverie. I was going to say daydreaming, but I don't think you can daydream at night. I don't know whether you can or not. But anyway, when we slip into reverie and we uh, let our thoughts wander and wander and wander away from one thing to the other. We need to be alert. And we think of the calls that the Bible uh, makes for watchfulness. We live in a world today where a lot even of God's people are falling asleep. We're not wakeful and we're not watchful. The Puritan Thomas Brooks gives a definition of watchfulness. And he says, watchfulness includes awaking, arousing up of the soul. It is a continual careful observing of our hearts and ways in all the turnings of our lives that we shall keep close to God and to his word. Now, that's a good definition of watchfulness. But we're not looking to what the Puritans say, although it is good. But what we want to see is what the word of God says. And we think of what it says in Proverbs 4 and 23. Many of you know the passage. Keep or watch over thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And there you have the wisdom literature, and he's saying, keep uh, thy heart, guard your heart, watch over your heart. And that's what we need to do. And it's the innermost thoughts, it's the uh, will and the desires that we have we need to have a watch over those things because how the old flesh will rise up. You think of what the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 26 and 41. You remember how he had gone into Gethsemane, into the garden, and he was praying there. And when he came out, the disciples had fallen asleep. And you remember what the Lord said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. And the Lord was literally saying to his disciples, like this passage, stay awake, be watchful. And we need to have that watchfulness as we uh, live day by day. We need to be alert against slumber or sleep. And then we need to be alert against Satan. It says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And there are times when governments will call on the people 
to be vigilant. Maybe sometimes there's a threat or war, and we have the slogan, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. And it certainly is, as far as our souls are concerned, there needs to be vigilance or watchfulness against the uh, uh, works of the devil and his subtlety and his lies and his deceits and his wiles. And we think of the powerful enemy that we face day by day. But you see, the psalmist here, he is watchful and he's called upon these servants, these priests that were guarding the temple at night. He said to them, be watchful. So there you have the psalmist's watchfulness. But secondly, I want you to see the psalmist's worship. Now, look at the um, latter part of verse 1. Uh, it speaks of those that stand by night in the house of the Lord. He, he says in the uh, um, verses there, he says, um, uh, which stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Now, what does it mean to bless the Lord? Maybe you uh, are a little bit confused about that. How can we bless the Lord? You think of how uh, we're accustomed to thinking about the Lord blessing us, and when the Lord blesses us, um, we, have, uh, we are given the things that we need. He supplies our need. He draws near to us, and all the rest of it. But we are altered. We are changed by the blessing of the Lord. We grow in grace, uh, from the blessing of the Lord. But you think of the Lord, and there's nothing that we can do or say that in it will in any way change the Lord. So what does it mean when it says we are to bless the Lord? Lift up your hands in the sanctuary, he says. Bless the Lord. Well, of course, when we bless the Lord, we're not adding anything to the Lord. We're not, we're not giving anything to the Lord. We can't do that. But all that we do is give our worship to him. Blessing the Lord in this context means that we are giving our worship to the Lord. We're celebrating our God. We are uh, singing praises to our God. You think of the catechism. What's man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. John Stott writes, Christians believe that True worship is the highest and noblest activity of which man, by the grace of God, is capable. And you know, there's no higher thing that we can do than to praise our God. But how do we pray praise God? Well, there are some indications here. We praise God, first of all, continuously. Because if you look at verse 1, you're not only praising God in the daytime, these servants, these priests, would have been uh, in the temple in the daytime. But you find here, they're also in the temple in the night. Doesn't matter what time of day it is. Doesn't matter whether it's day or night, whether it's morning or evening. These servants of the Lord, these guards are there and they are offering up the sacrifices. They're performing the priestly functions. And God, or the, the Lord is calling these men to serve even at night. C.H. Spurgeon paraphrased the verse and he said, 
is it your duty to spend the night in watching? Then spend the night in worship. Do not let the time of watching be idle, wasted time. But then others are slumbering and sleeping, and you are necessarily watchful. Sustain the praises of God's house. Let there be praise in Zion, still praise by night as well as by day. And what he's saying there, he says, do not let uh, time of watching be idle, wasted time. So what he's suggesting here is that we should praise God at every time. Now, we need to be practical about this because you can't praise God 24 hours a day. Is that what Spurgeon is suggesting? Is that what the Lord is expecting of us, that we never go to sleep? Of course it isn't. But what is the, the psalmist is suggesting is that there may be those that are up at night, maybe those that can't sleep. There are those that are on night duty, maybe a night watchman, and he's a child of God, and he can praise God in the night seasons. Maybe it's a, a nurse on the ward, and she can take a few minutes and she can praise God. She can lift up her heart and praise. And it just takes a few minutes to bring our needs to God and to draw nigh to God. And we think of how we come to the Lord constantly, day or night. We can come to God wherever we may be, or whether it's day or night or evening or morning. Our hearts can rise to God. We can just send up our prayer to God. So we um, worship God continuously. But then there's also indication that we worship the Lord humbly. Now, in the nighttime, there weren't going to be many to hear the praises of these men. As they went about their duties and as they guarded the temple and uh, made sure that everything was set up for the next day and all the worship that was going to take place, and no doubt there was also the choir there as well, or there's indications that there's a choir as well who will sing the songs uh, that we're going to mention in a little bit, a minute. But all of these people are there, and they're doing their duty, but there's no audience. The people that normally would be milling about the temple, they're not there in the night season. So it would have been a temptation for these people to be a little bit shoddy, or just to do it half-heartedly, or maybe not even to do it at all, because nobody's watching, nobody's there. Who, who will care if I don't do my duty to the utmost of my ability? Who will mind if the thing is not just done to the nth degree? And so we think of how these people could take uh, advantage of uh, all of this, uh, and uh, the uh, the, the, what they're doing might not have been acknowledged, but the uh, psalmist is calling for blessings even when nobody is looking at us because we always remember that the Lord is looking down upon us. Thou God seest me. And that's what the psalmist is recognizing here. Even in the night seasons, God is watching. And then not only are they to bless God uh, here continuously and humbly, but they are to bless God eagerly. Now, it speaks there of lifting up hands in verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And the lifting up of hands is always uh, a posture of uh, submission and 
dependence. And we need the strength of God, and we need the power of God. And as the people traveled to Jerusalem to worship, uh, there were the blessings of God as well. And he speaks here of these blessings. And as the people of God traveled to Jerusalem to worship, their blessings were going up as well, and they were seeking to bless the Lord because they knew that he deserves their worship. He uh, is the one who uh, merits their praise. And we thank God tonight for the fact that we can come and we can enter into the presence of God. We come eagerly. We come humbly. We come continuously into the presence of our God. And I hope that we do that tonight. We come to worship. Even in the ninth seasons, we come to worship. Even in the midst of the tragedies and disasters, we come to worship. So there you have the psalmist watchfulness, and you have the psalmist worship. But then I want you to see something else. I want you to notice the last verse there of the psalm, and we're going to call this the psalmist's wish. Look at what he says. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. In verse 3 of the chapter, we move from blessings going up to blessings coming down. In the previous verse, the psalmist had spoke about uh, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So here, the people, the, uh, the pilgrims as they're worshiping, and the guards, the, the servants, the priests in the temple, they were saying, bless the Lord. And they were seeking to bring worship and glory to the name of the Lord. But now, the one who has been blessed, as it were, the one who has been worshipped, now is going to give the people who are drawing nigh to him a worship. It says in verse 3, The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. So here is the benediction. And Warren Wearsby writes, As the pilgrims left the temple, a priest on duty called, May the Lord bless you from Zion. The priests and the Levites respond to their exhortation by wishing the worshippers God's blessing. And so here was the blessing that was upon them. But I want you to see what a blessing it was. Notice that it is a powerful blessing. It says, The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee. So this is the blessing of the God who has made all things. He is the one who has created all things. The one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And if we want a blessing, we want a blessing from someone who is going to be able to give us a, a mighty blessing. And that is the uh, one that we come to this evening. You think of the great Shema in number 6 and verses 22 to 27. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, In this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And 
I wonder if you've ever thought about what it actually is uh, when you look for the blessing of God. What is a blessing from God? What do we mean when we pray for God to bless? Or when we wish somebody that the Lord bless you, what do we mean by that? Well, oftentimes I think, you know, you talk to people and they say to you, well, I have got a blessing from God today. Well, that blessing may be something that has struck them in the reading of the Word of God, or it may be something material. They have had a blessing in their job, in that they have had a success, or they have been given food, or they have been given uh, the provisions that they need. All of those things may be something that people speak of as the blessing of the Lord. But if we put it like this, it's material blessing in that sense. It's something that we have experienced. But the blessing of the Lord, I think, is more than that because the blessing of the Lord is something spiritual. We think of what the Lord says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. And we, it makes it clear that the blessing is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that the blessing of Abram may come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the verse indicates that the Spirit of blessing that God promised Abram and for all nations was that uh, the Spirit would come upon believers through faith in Christ. Now, where it speaks in that verse about the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit, I think it's actually referring to um, God in Trinity. It is the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension uh, of Christ, the descension of the Holy Spirit. All of those things, I think, are involved. And that's the true blessing that we have. It's God with us. It's God coming to dwell in our hearts. And it's not just that we have the material blessings or the things that we are given, but it's the very fact that the Lord dwells with us day by day so that we're not just given blessings and good days, or it's not just that we have these things that were given to us day by day, but the fact that the Lord's with us, and that he's with us even in the dark days. He's with us even in the times when we're going through hard uh, graft or going through hard and difficult situations. That's the blessing of the Lord. And it's a wonderful comfort for God's people to know that we have the blessing of the Lord. So this is a powerful blessing. It's the blessing of the God of heaven and earth who is with us. Not only does he give and provide for us, but he's with us day by day. But then this blessing is not only a powerful blessing, it is a plentiful blessing. You, it's the blessing of the God who made heaven and earth so it must be plentiful. You think of what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessing. That speaks of something that's extensive. 
or that is plentiful. Every spiritual blessing. The Lord doesn't hold back. He isn't stingy with his blessings. There's the blessing of salvation. There's the blessing of forgiveness. The blessing of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are blessings that the Lord gives us as we draw near to him. This is a plentiful blessing. But then you'll notice that it is a personal blessing. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee. And the word thee, of course, there (coughs) is in the singular. And, of course, the great Shema, too, that's in the singular. The Lord bless thee and keep thee, and so on, as it goes on. And it comes right down to us individually. God blesses us personally. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do as well, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the blessing of God that comes upon us personally is that God would personally work in us to make us perfect in any, every good work uh, uh, to do as well. And God is working in us personally to give us that blessing day by day. It's a personal blessing. And then something else, it's a pressing blessing because To leave God's house with a blessing is a wonderful thing, but it also puts a responsibility upon us because what we need to do with the blessing is pass it on. We need to share the blessing. You know, in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19, the Apostle Paul speaks to Timothy, and he says to Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You that have been given the riches of God's blessing... He's saying, pass it on, give to others, be willing to communicate, be willing to distribute, pass it on. We think of uh, Luke 6 and verse 38, the Lord says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you. And we give of our substance, and we give of our uh, witness to those around us. We think of the men, the lepers, who had discovered that the army of the Assyrians had gone. The rest of their compatriots were in the city of Samaria, and they thought that they were under siege. And here they were outside, and they'd gone into the camp of the Assyrians and found it deserted, and all the food that was left 
and they were enjoying themselves, partaking of the food, and they said to themselves, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. And so they knew that they needed to share the blessing. It is a pressing blessing because it's something that we need to share. But something else is a perpetual blessing. If God never sleeps, and if the worship that we give to God is to be not only day, but by night and at all times, then the blessing will not stop. It's like the precious gift that Mary of Bethany gave to the Lord Jesus. It was a fragrance of blessing that will reach the world, as it were. And so we have a psalm about blessings. And here where they were, they had made their trip to the temple, and they had enjoyed the presence of the Lord, and they're looking to go away with just one extra blessing, a new blessing. And we know that God will always bless the lives of those that follow him. And may we know God's blessing upon us tonight. May we know his blessing poured out upon us. Thank God that it is a perpetual blessing. It's not going to come to an end. It's a personal blessing. It is for us individually. And it's a powerful blessing. It is the blessing of the God of heaven and earth. May we enjoy God's blessings even as we enter into his presence tonight. May God write his word upon our hearts. Let's unite together the throne of grace and prayer. Let's seek the face of God. Do remember the meetings as they continue and pray for God's uh, rich blessing there. And of course, remember our sister Maureen and our sister Hannah's been in hospital as well and others that maybe have been laid aside that you know of uh, but let's just uh, seek the help of God. Um, the Reverend Lindsay Wilson um, had, had his retirement service on uh, the Lord's Day evening, and uh, he has uh, had to retire because of Ill, Ill health, and we do ask you to pray for the Lord's servant that the Lord may bless him. The Reverend Harton had a, an operation on Monday too. I haven't heard anything more about that, but um, do continue to pray for these uh, men that God in his, uh, uh, would give them uh, a blessing at this time. So let's unite together, please, at the throne of grace and prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee that we come to the God of blessing we thank Thee that as we bless Thee by our worship, and Lord, we hardly dare to use the term if Thy Word had not used it. Lord, how can we bless Thee? And yet, Lord, we thank Thee that as we draw near, as we are obedient, and what degree we can be, we thank Thee that uh, it, it, it blesses Thee, as it were. And, uh, and we pray, gracious God, that Thou wouldst come and bless us Meet with us tonight. O oh God, give us a blessing as we draw near to Thee in the place of prayer. Give us a blessing as we cry unto Thee, as we seek Thy face. Give us the blessing 
of knowing thy presence even in the midst tonight. And we pray for a blessing upon these folks that we've been mentioning. We pray, Lord, for thy blessing upon our sister Maureen and for our sister Hannah. We pray for thy blessing on the Reverend Wilson and on the Reverend Harden. We pray for thy blessing upon all those that have been laid aside and those that um, ha have been suffering from illnesses over the last little while. O oh God, that we might have the blessing of God poured out upon us. We think of how it was said of Joseph that the Lord was with him and of David, uh, all the wonderful things that could be said of David. But the height of them all was that the Lord was with him. And we pray, gracious God, that we might have that blessing even poured out upon us tonight. Bless us as we seek thy face. Help us to pray and to cry unto thee. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen.